0: Only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia, John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief. Welcome to another episode. As we try to get back on track, as you notice, we had a big program dump on uh, last week. I had to catch up, so if you're looking for the episode for that week... Scroll down the main page, and then you have to go to the previous page, and you'll see my episode for last week. Now, last week I was telling you about uh, the trials and tribulations of traveling with an RV. A travel trailer, if you will. Mine. Um, So, I told you we got to uh, the, the Tombstone RV Park. By the way, if you go to Tombstone, that is the RV park you want to stay at. It's fantastic. It's the best one in the Tombstone area. Yes, they do have RV parks inside the city. Uh, I mean, literally downtown Tombstone. Unfortunately, they're stacked one on top of the other. You could barely get your awnings open, much less your slides. You go a mile, a mile outside town, and you got the Tombstone RV park phenomenal, really one of the best ones I've ever stayed at. Anyways, getting back to it. Okay, so we get there and I notice the tire is going low and it's like, well, okay, I I can change it. It sucks, but I can do it, right? We're all set up and all that. And then I realize I don't have a jack. I got the air pump, but not a jack. Damn. So anyways, so I go to the RV office and they got this little flyer hanging on there and it's the effect. Let me uh, call it up here real quick because I tell you right now, this is the guy you're gonna want working on you if you're in that area. Sierra Vista, Benson, Wachuca City, Tombstone. That's the place you want to be. All right. His name is Cody Hagel. All right. So I took a little, you know, a little slip of paper. You take, you know, the little tear offs. You know, oh, got it. And I got his name and number. Yay. So I did that. Right. Give him a call. Right. So, it's Roadrunner On-Site RV Repair. Now, this guy is, (laughs) how do I put it? I'm going to tell you about it. Um, His telephone number is 520-789-6237. He has the five-star Jeffers seal of approval. That's how good this guy is. So, he shows up. He's got his girlfriend with him. No big deal. She usually, you know hangs out with him. Apparently, Cody used to work on the pipeline, said, I don't want to do this anymore. Thunk. He got out of there when Biden got elected. Smart guy, right? So he gets out, and in Arizona, for some reason, it just didn't dawn on me, but I really wasn't too alarmed by it. He's, all, he's doing open carry. I believe he was carrying a Glock, and I didn't, you know, I figure this guy's a true patriot. This guy's good stuff, right? Not only is he a patriot, but get this. This guy lives off-grid, and he's done it before. And I gotta try, I'm going to try and get him for an interview because this guy is really something else. I really liked him a lot. And uh, like I said, if you're in that area, your RV needs to be repaired. This is the guy you want working on it. I mean he comes out to your place you just tell him what's going on and he can fix it I mean this guy is something else I was really kind of impressed with him as you can tell I'm going to post his uh, website on the show summary so everybody can get it now um, like I said he's located out of Huachuca City and he'll service RVs within a 60 mile radius that's these is all in Arizona here Ford uh, Sonoida, Benson, Elgin, St. David, Whetstone, Tombstone, Bisbee, Douglas, and Patagonia. Cody's a really cool guy. I really like him a lot. Um, he's also been a full-time RVer, and he has a 2018 Grand Design Solitude, which is an I believe it's a fifth wheel, if I'm looking at it right. And he has, he's an excellent handyman skills. He can upgrade old sinks, countertops, flooring, appliances of all types of RVs, motorhomes, and can fix just about anything. This is how good this guy is. He's just one of these guys that looks at stuff and he just knows how to do it. It's a natural talent. He's fantastic, by all means. Um, he is on a disgrace book, which I won't go to. But um, I'll tell you right now. This He is the guy. He is the man in that area to do on-site RV repair. Great guy. I can't say enough about him. As a matter of fact, because um, we, we were over the 4th of July, and he, he took the 5th of July off like most people did, and then we were leaving on Thursday. I called him on Tuesday. He was there on Wednesday. Knowing that we were leaving on Thursday, and he he prioritized me right to the top, of his uh list so i went ahead and gave him extra money for that because i knew he had to blow some other customers off to get me to the top and i appreciate that and i wanted him to know it and i wanted to show my appreciation for him so that's the guy he's the guy that you want to repair your rv you know what and plus he's lived off grid so he's got a whole bunch of skills that i i just want to i want to pick his brain i want to get him talking because I'll tell you right now, he is the man. And so, anyways, I wanted to cover that right off the bat because that's the way it is. That's the way I feel I think about it. Now, uh, last episode, last week, we were talking about how the viewership ratings for the Woke Olympics were crashing. And they continue to crash, my friends. Um, John Nolte put this out. And he says, you know, not even the USA winning the gold for all-around gymnastics lifted the ratings for the 2020 Woke Olympics anywhere close to respectable territory. Uh, NBC said Friday that Thursday's primetime coverage of the Tokyo Summer Olympics averaged a 10.8 rating and 19.5 million viewers across all of its platforms, and that's down 43% in ratings and 41% in viewership for the comparable night of the Rio Games in 2016. Now, Sports Media Watch has reported that uh, versus the most recent Olympics, the Pyeongchang Winter Games three years ago, ratings fell 5% and viewership 1% from an 11.4 and 19.3 million people. So far, all seven nights of the Olympics have averaged 20 million or fewer viewers, nearly doubling the combined total of the previous Summer Olympics in 2008, '12, and 2016. Even more disastrous for the Olympics has been the crashing and burning of all their woke tarred athletes and icons. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, I just can't. Every time I see, I see her, I change, I change the channel, whether I'm watching the news and catch the sports or anything. like Anything to do with the all-girls soccer team, I can't handle it. So anyways, you know, the all-girls soccer team was supposed to be on an easy path to Olympic gold and then lost in a major upset to Canada. Gee, maybe sh- someone should be worried less about being a fascist woke tard, and more about the game of soccer. Honest me, I mean, who loses to Canada? No offense, Canadians. When it comes to Winter Olympics, you guys are at the top of the list. Summer, well, you know. That's not to say you guys don't compete. You do compete. Well, I don't, don't want to sit there and offend our listeners in Canada. I like. I've been to Canada. I like Canada. Anyways. Getting back to it, Gwen Berry, the insufferable hammer thrower who disrespected the flag during her Olympic trials and then threatened to do so again if she won an Olympic medal, did not win anything. In fact, out of 12 competitors, she came in 11th. Gee, maybe someone should be worried less about being an ungrateful woke tard and more about throwing hammers. And then there's my all-time favorite, a 43-year-old fat guy named Laurel who competed as a woman weightlifter. But even with all the advantage of being a guy, he still blew it. Gee, maybe someone should, but oh hell. I have no idea what to do about Laurel. Then there's this moron whose stunts was so stuntish, no one even knew what it meant. These woke tards are such woke tards, they're just making shit up now. At least she want a silver. Who would have ever thought these spoiled, unappealing, sanctimonious, and entitled athletes could drag the Summer Olympics down to a point where ridiculing them and watching them lose would become part of the most entertaining aspect of the games? And here's the result. The Olympics is now averaging 17.5 million viewers in primetime, still down more than 11 million viewers from the NBC-only average at the same point in 2016, which was 28.7 million. If well below previous Olympics, the seven-day average now exceeds that of NBC's Sunday Night Football last season, which averaged 17.4 million across NBC's various platforms. Here's a news flash for you: We're just hating you back, woke tards. Make no mistake about it. Speaking of which, my friends, what I'd like to do is, uh, before I forget. Uh, I see uh, we started a new month, sets a new ratings. Uh, Where are we? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Once again, the Netherlands is tops in Europe, followed by Sweden. And I welcome the uh, listener in Spain. Thanks for listening in, guys. I appreciate it. Sweden, glad to have you back in the fold. The Netherlands are always, always month after month after month. My friends, thank you. For listening in Europe. And spread the word. Oh, by the you know, this is just the beginning of the month. As the month goes on, they'll get more and more and more. And here in the United States, my friends, we got new listeners in Minnesota. You poor bastards. I'm not sure. First of all, I'm not a fan of winter. I hate the cold weather. I I I I, I don't think I could ever live in Minnesota. But for those of you that are stuck in Minnesota and you got no way out. Believe me, my sympathies are with you. And, of course, we're followed, respectively, by Florida, my uh, native state. Texas, great state of Texas. I really enjoy going down there quite a bit. And followed by Illinois, my fellow prisoners here in the tyranny state of Illinois. And Old Dominion, Virginia. Yes, Virginia. And, of course, we have a, a few listeners in Colorado. In Idaho, in Washington, Arkansas, I used to live in Arkansas, Arizona, Free America, California. You poor bastards! I put you in there with Minnesota. You're stuck in the socialist gulag. And you just can't get out to save your life. My thoughts and prayers are with you. You know, take that disgrace book. Followed by Georgia, Kansas. By the way, Kansas. If you have never been to Kansas. I'll tell you, we drove through Kansas and uh, we stayed overnight in Kansas City for our uh, Tombstone trip. The next morning, we we're up and we were up and on the road by seven thirty. Eight o'clock, we hit um, the Flint Hills. How to describe the Flint Hills? It's surreal. It's majestic, and there's only when you enter the Flint Hills, there's only one gas station. And it's like 30 or 40 miles through it. You're saying what are the Flint Hills? Think of this. Um, think of some of the westerns you've seen, like uh, say uh, dances with wolves, and they show the big expanse of plains and rolling hills. That's what the Flint Hills look like. And of course you got cattle grazing on both sides. It's, it's amazing. It's really something I'm, I didn't even know about it till, I, till we saw it. and it was so uh, like I said, majestic as my wife put it. We pulled off on one. Of, there's only one place you could pull off the side of the road and take your pictures and all that, and we did that. Uh, New York. Yeah, you guys got that bastard Cuomo. Yeah, it's amazing how the Democrats didn't want him to leave office, but now it's so overwhelming, the evidence against him for his sexual harassment and other uh, miscreant deeds. Now they're all jumping on the bandwagon. He's got to go. He's got to go. Oklahoma. Uh, is also on the list Oklahoma Uh, we drove through there and I gotta tell you I don't know if I told you this last time Uh, the John Kilpatrick turnpike it's pouring down rain rain I, 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 I gotta tell you guys it was like I'm not talking like a summer shower we're talking a summer deluge And talk about dark black clouds. Well, they weren't black. They were really dark, dark gray, almost black. And I could see how that would be like Tornado Alley. I get it now. But so we, uh, I think we were just, it was Oklahoma City. And we, instead of going, taking the interstate over, we decided to cut, instead of taking the interstate all the way to the southeast side of the city and then catch our uh, I-40, yeah, I think it's I-40, all the way over. And back west again, we got on the uh, Kilpatrick Turnpike and cut across northwest and cut that way, right? So it's pouring down rain. You get to this toll booth. People in Oklahoma, if you are not throwing a fit about this, I don't know what to tell you. So you, you go pay the toll, right? And you, know, it, you have to pay exact change. And I forget, it was like $2.90, $1.90. a I don't remember what it was. But the wife and I don't have exact change. So what you do is you get in the one lane, and <laughs> I'm not making this up. I do have video of it because people will are not going to believe me when you hear this. You truly have to experience the disaster of, I don't, know, I don't know whose idea this was, but they need to be slapped silly over and over and over again till they drop dead. That's how stupid this idea was. So anyway, so you get in this to get... Uh, in the line for the bill changer, right? You know, the bill changer like you see at the car wash or the laundromat. So you sit, you know, it's pouring down rain. You know, I've got, you know, Noah's Ark, you know, ideations, you know, in the back of my head floating through. I'm trying to put this freaking $5 bill in this bill changer, right? And it's like, get in there. No, cuts it out. No, cuts it out. Put it, turn it around, cut it. You put it in there. No, out, in, out. Give me a dollar bill. Meanwhile, traffic's backing up behind me, right? So... The wife gives me a fresh one dollar bill. Put it in there. No, spits it out. Turn around. No, spits it out. You know what? Screw you. This is a dumb idea. So the idea is, you go put, you go put your 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 cash in there. It gives you the change. You move, you know, ten feet, and you take all the change you got, and you sit there and you throw it into the change basket for the toll, and off you go, right? I was so livid by this time, and I said, screw this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll we'll pay it later, but online, whatever, right? So, and that was getting on the turnpike. When the turnpike ends, and I, I think, I'm pretty sure it's I-40. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Only time it's not raining. It looks like it's getting ready to downpour. You can see the clouds roiling up to the west. And you pull up, and here we go again. This time, this time my wife was really smart. She started filming. There's a guy. There's a guy, two cars in front of us he's so frustrated he can't get his damn bill changer won't take his freaking dollar you know his his cash he gets he pulls his car up he gets out of his car he goes back to the bill changer standing in the freaking tollway road lane you know trying to get it to work trying to get it to work this goes on and my my wife's videotaping this because like i said no one's ever going to believe this story no one will ever believe that such a dumbass idea oh and by the way there are no attendants at all at any of these things so there's no one to like conk or call over nothing like that nothing zero unattended okay so finally i hit the horn right the car in front of me looks at me like oh we can't go anywhere so I'm not, it's not for you so one of the girls i got a teenage girl gets out of the car and i tell her and my wife are yelling at her tell him just to go Forget it. Just go. They tell him. He finally is so frustrated. I thought I, th- I thought he was going to have an absolute conniption fit right there. Makes it back to his car and he takes off. The car in front of us. They go. They try it once. And then they said, screw it. And they take off. I come up. I try, got my dollar bill. Put it in there. Turn around. I said, that's it. I'm done. Let's go. I'm not doing it. We get down two miles down the road. The guy that we were videotaping, that, that poor bastard is going to the conniption fit. He's on the side of the road still all flustered and upset about this whole thing. So my question to you is, you know, and we have never received, I mean, I didn't, yeah, I ran the toll. I did, I admit to it. it the toll wasn't working. If the state cannot make their mechanism work, I should not be held responsible for it, and I have not been. I've been waiting now for almost well. What's it? What's it? Today's the third, so yeah, it would have been 30 days now since we and I haven't heard anything from the state of Oklahoma. I mean, we have no problem paying the toll. The problem we have is that the state agency responsible for the turnpike tolls can't get their system to work. So, anyways, as we continue down the list is uh, our good friends uh, in Wisconsin we got a lot of patriots in Wisconsin, good people there. So that's what rounds out the U.S. list of uh, listeners that have downloaded and listened to shows here on the Contra Radio Network. I implore you, please tell your friends, by all means, by all means. What else we got here? Oh, that reminds me. I've got to get some demographics because I know a lot of you, for some reason, you guys like that stuff. So I, I, so here we are. Let me uh, call it up the right way here. Da, 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 da. Call it up. There we are. Um, The last 30 days, uh, we got listeners in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Australia, Chile, South America, yay, Uh, Spain, Netherlands, Portugal, Puerto Rico, Germany, Belgium, Denmark, Malaysia, Norway, Guatemala, and Romania, Singapore, and Croatia. Welcome, welcome all. Well, uh, new listeners are Croatia, looks like Guatemala, Malaysia, <laughs> Puerto Rico. Welcome, Portugal. Welcome, Spain. Welcome, Chile. Welcome. All right, and uh, for uh, the gender breakdown is seventy-five uh, percent males, twenty-five percent females. Ladies, thanks for listening in here. On Contra Radio Network. I appreciate it. I'm, I've told you, men, I've told you before, get the ladies involved. They're very detail-oriented. That's just the way women are built. By all means, let them do it. If you can get them and explain to them why prepping is so important and why it's important, I think after last year having shortages in the grocery stores, we all understand that now, but let the ladies do it. Let them make their list. They're very detail-oriented. I let my wife do it. She'll look at stuff and she'll say, we need this, we need that. Well, okay. I don't even argue. I just say okay and order it up. That's what I do. Men, if you're lucky enough to have a significant other who is that detail-oriented, by all means, by all means, let them help. Let them take it over. You won't be sorry. Case in point, men, how many of you know how much toilet paper you got in reserve? I'm serious. I mean, because I didn't stock up on it. I didn't have to. I didn't have a lot of it anyways. But I'm asking you now, how much toilet paper you got in your bathroom right now? Not talking about the garage. I'm talking in your bathroom. Do you know how many rolls you got left? My wife knows how much is in mine. Kleenex? How many Kleenex boxes you got? I don't know. Paper towels? Love paper towels. I use them all the time. Anyways, so there's that. Okay, let's get back to some other stuff I know you're interested in. Um, uh, (laughs) John Carney over at Breitbart. Good stuff. Uh, The Bidenflation has concealed the falling factory orders in June. You haven't heard this on the mainstream media, have you, my friends? So new orders for U.S. made goods increased more than expected in June but that probably is not a sign of enduring strength for manufacturing. It is more likely a sign of how inflation is scrambling our economic signals. This is because despite the headlines real factory orders and manufacturing output likely fell in June. So let's start with the basics okay. The Commerce Department uh, said on Tuesday that factory orders climbed one and a half percent in June after jumping 2.3 percent may now the economist polled by Reuters had forecast factory orders increasing 0.8 percent uh, and that's according to a now solid US factory orders business spending on equipment point to enduring manufacturing strength a Reuters headline declared however new orders for manufactured non durable goods which includes goods pharmaceuticals clothing that increased five 1 billion dollars or 2.1 percent durable goods orders rose 0.9 percent that's a tick above the 0.8 percent gain initially reported by the u.s government in dollar terms orders rose 2.3 billion dollars to 257.9 billion Uh, for the past decade rising factory orders have typically indicated rising demand and rising output more american goods were being purchased but, this is where it comes in, all right? but factory orders are measured in nominal dollars. That is, if inflation is rising rapidly, a rise in the dollar-denominated value of goods purchased may simply be reflecting rising prices. So in, in, instead of purchasing more goods, consumers and businesses may just be paying more for the products they buy. That could be problematic for businesses and investors if they mistake inflation-driven sales growth for real growth. So far, little of the reporting or commentary on nominal dollar reports has focused on the risk of an inflation head fake, likely because it has been so long since we last experienced high inflation. Now, the Bureau of Labor Statistics producer price index showed that prices paid to businesses for goods rose 1% in June. The prices paid to suppliers of materials used in non-durable goods rose 3.6% in both June and May. For durable goods, the prices of materials rose 3.3% in June and 8.7% in May. The final demand prices received by businesses for durable goods jumped 4.9% in June. The producer price index for non-durables, less food and energy, rose 2.9%. Now, Steve Hanke, a professor of applied economics at Johns Hopkins University, who served on President Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors, points me to the BLS's measure of processed goods for intermediate demand. Another part of the PPI, the, you know, the uh, price index, that also indicates inflation is outpacing factory orders. If we look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, processed goods for intermediate demand price index, We observed that in June, that index shot up by 1.9%, an inflation rate that exceeds the 1.5% increase in factory orders for June. This suggests that when measured in terms of the quantity of output, factory orders in June declined just a bit. So it looks like the enduring manufacturing strength story doesn't seem to hold much water. In other words, prices for manufactured goods appear to be advancing faster than orders. That means that the better-than-expected numbers for June may not be so great after all. Factory orders appear to be contracting in inflation-adjusted terms. Oh, no. That's right. By the way, I want you to uh, take a listen, if you could. Um, Independent mouth. Latest episode, Manipulate to Regulate. Listen to it. I think you'll find it very interesting. Oh, and I did talk to uh, Kirshner today. He'll be uh, starting up his episodes after his summer hiatus, Lazy Bastard. We should get one probably about the third third week of August maybe, around the 23rd, 24th, I imagine. So he's back on. Now, meanwhile, in China, what do you (laughs) say? I don't even know what to say. Mm. Lemonade. Weiler's Light. Love it. Um, Every Chinese province has sounds the alarm against unnecessary travel. Francis Martell reporting. Hey, um, It makes one wonder what the hell those bastards have done now. China's internal coronavirus outbreak has become so severe that all 31 of the nation's provinces individually warned residents on Monday to avoid unnecessary travel following weeks of struggle to contain the virus in the east of the country. Folks, we have to learn to live with the coronavirus. It's gonna mutate. The influenza virus, the flu, seasonal flu, it mutates every year. Mutates every year. S- sometimes the virologists get the vac- you know, the vaccination for the seasonal flu right on the money. More often than not, they got to guess what the future, you know, is gonna hold. How is it gonna mutate? You might as well just get a magic eight ball. Yeah. look at the answer. No, you may rely on it. All right, and then they off they go to make their virus, their vaccine for it. Look, there's no doubt in my mind. Coronavirus started in China. You know, I don't know if this is true, but it's if I remember right, uh, COVID. And I don't know this. I don't know if this is true, but I understand COVID is an acronym for China. China originated viral infectious disease, COVID. I don't know if that's true, but take it for what it's worth. So, Communist Party officials have lost control of the situation to such an extent that the Global Times, a government propaganda outlet, condemned glaring loopholes in pandemic management, particularly among local Communist Party officials and airport screeners, in an article published Monday. Authorities have been warning of a growing number of coronavirus cases in Nanjing, eastern China, for over a week, locking down the city. Officials admitted this week that they are now also documenting a spike in coronavirus cases in Wuhan. Imagine that. The birthplace. Oh, it's on the rise again? Really? Okay. Okay. Has since mandated coronavirus testing for every single resident. Beijing, while far from both, has also reportedly implemented significant travel restrictions since reporting its first cases since January. Uh, Everywhere else in the country, Communist Party officials are discouraging unnecessary travel, particularly internally. Well, if you're going to leave the country, I guess that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Inside, no. no. So the outbreak, which is rapidly sweeping through the nation, has exposed loopholes in Chinese cities' daily anti-epidemic work, which sounded an alarm to the country. The Global Times reported Monday, Chinese experts says it showed staff members at airports and designated hospitals did not conduct strict surveillance and testing of cargo and objects. The Times reported that 31 provincial-level regions had warned against unnecessary travel, which include every province, autonomous region, and special division in the country. The warning contrasts significantly with state-sponsored calls for excessive travel, even amid concerns of spreading coronavirus for propaganda purposes during the communist holidays like May Day or the anniversary of the founding of the Communist Party. The mass mobilizations after these holidays triggered outbreaks nationwide. So uh, China's state-run Xinhua News Agency appeared to temper the alarm of the Global Times, calling the coronavirus cases currently identified sporadic and assuring readers that the communist party was going all out to prevent larger outbreaks on tuesday considering they're the ones that at least should upon the whole planet to begin with fuckers that uh, nevertheless admitted that including nanjing's Jinsu and wuhan's weibi 10 other chinese provinces were struggling with an uptick in coronavirus cases the global times citing chinese government-approved experts claiming that the causes of the current outbreak were the infectiousness of the Indian variant of the Chinese coronavirus, known as Delta, and poor pandemic control in affected regions. In Nanjing, government officials specifically blamed a flight entering the city from Russia for contaminating passengers. The outbreak in Nanjing showed that local authorities failed to properly handle the feces of coronavirus-infected patients or trash left on planes. That hold us take it back here. They properly—they they failed to properly handle the feces of coronavirus-infected patients. You know that's why you have what we—I would like to call indoor plumbing. No one has to handle it. So the toilet, you do your business, hits the water, flush. done, thank you very much. I don't know how else to take that. But there you go. It's there, okay? So, our trash left on planes that confirmed uh, carried confirmed cases? This reflected significant loopholes in the management of those places, one expert told the Global Times on Monday. The state propaganda outlet declared it absolutely worrying how rapidly cases appeared to be spreading in Jiangjin. in previous coverage on Sunday. The failings of the epidemic controls at airports and other facilities for coping with international rivals must be addressed urgently, it asserted. the Chinese Communist Party first declared that it had completely contained the Chinese coronavirus in March of 2020 following the initial outbreak of the novel pathogen in Wuhan. What? You know what? That outbreak happened way before March of 2020, my friends. As I've told you before, I'm sure my daughter had it in December of 2019 if you don't believe me search your own memory banks if you will if you can remember that far back and remember people who said they had this flu or cold and they just couldn't shake it and they could just got worse and worse it just kept going on and on and on i think that was it but that's my opinion now the the, the that month uh dictator uh, xin shenping avoided the worst of the outbreak there in the winter months visited Wuhan to declare victory. In reality, while Beijing regularly publishes images showing mass congregations in city like, uh, cities like Wuhan after that trip, Chinese officials have consistently documented coronavirus cases nationwide since then. Prior to the current outbreak, the last streak of cases in Wuhan occurred in early, Ju- in early July, just as with the current case. Communist Party officials blame foreigners, on that occasion, Afghans, for bringing the virus back to its origin. Well, I think, I think that's fair. If the, Chinese, if the Chinese Communist Party wants to give the world coronavirus, you know, the Wuhan virus, I think it's only fair that they accept the return gift that they gave the world, and then some. Uh, Part of the reason China has struggled to convey coronavirus cases is that it is relying on poor quality homemade vaccines, and many Chinese residents do not trust the products choosing to remain unvaccinated. The top two Chinese-made vaccine products on the market are the injections by the firms Sinovac and Sinopharm. Both both used internationally. The head of China's Center for Disease Control, uh, Gao Fu, admitted in April that Chinese vaccines don't have very high protection rates, suggested uh, mixing them with American mRNA technology products. Now Sinovac, whose product tested at only 50.38% efficacy against infections, has uh, begun promoting a third dose in the hopes of increasing its protective value. Even with an uptick in efficacy through multiple vaccinations, Beijing still contends with the issue of Chinese citizens distrusting locally developed vaccination products. John Nanshan, China's top infectious disease expert, warned in May that China was lagging behind countries like the United States on vaccination rates and could thus continue to experience significant outbreaks even as other countries inch toward herd immunity. If China continues with such a low vaccination rate, it will not keep up, John warned at a separate occasion in March. John resurfaced this week calling the current outbreak generally controllable and urging mass testing and vaccination in response. Okay. <sighs> My friends, let me ask you something. And I asked this last week. I'm going to ask it again. At what point, at what point do we say, well, if I'm vaccinated, why do I have to wear a mask inside? Why do I have to wear a mask at all if I've been vaccinated? If the vaccinations are as good as you say they are, and I, I look—I'm not a biochemist; I don't have any—I don't know anything about it. I'm just asking a question as a you know Joe average citizen here. If the vaccinations work as good as you say they should, and they do, why do I have to wear a mask at all? Makes you think about it. If it works so well, why do I have to wear a mask? If you remember way back in 2019, March 2019, probably in February for that matter, the government, our government swore up and down. we just got to stay quarantined for a couple weeks. We've got to flatten the curve. Remember that? Flatten the curve. It does make one wonder what the hell the government's doing. The CDC has lost all credibility as far as the American public's concerned. And I could care less about what athletes or Hollywood has to say about anything. I mean, here we got a bunch of, you know, you know man-child, you know, you know, uh, what do you want to call them, uh, man-child, man-children out there playing games that kids do, getting paid lots of money for it. Please. And then we got the other segment we're citing in Hollywood, who likes to play pretend. We're all professional pretenders. People care about us. People want to hear what we have to say and think. No, we don't. Granted, there are a bunch of uh, people who are weak-willed that will bend to your will and tell you how great you are. I will not do that. I will not... I hardly... you know. I hardly even watch TV anymore. If any TV I watch, I watch me TV. All the old reruns. Good stories, simple plots, easy to follow. <sighs> well, that's all I've got to say for this week. Um let's see, did I cover everything? I believe I did. So with that said, my friends, thanks for listening in here on the Jeffers Brief. I'm John Jeffers. Thanks for listening. We will see you again. Talk to you later. Have a good week. Be good.